Hey, this is Mitch Rose. I'm the lead pastor of City Hills Church, and this is our podcast. Thanks for tuning in today. I hope this message encourages you, it inspires you, it challenges you to live your best life. Take a listen. Here's this week's message. Thanks again for being here. As we open your Bibles and open God's Word today, I want to give you a sort of a foundation for this Kingdom Builders series. Here's what I know to be true. There is a natural drift in your life. There's a natural drift in my life to think, what's in it for me? Right? You go into every situation thinking, well, what's it? Thanks, Roy. What's in it for me? What, what's, uh, I, 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 I'm looking for a new school, but, you know, what do they have to offer? We're looking for a new gym. At least people who go to the gym do that sort of things. And what's in it for me? I picked Planet Fitness. I have been a member of Planet. I thank you for noticing. Thank you all. Anyway, for a long time, and they they take my money every single month. I never go, but they I pay every month. But I made the decision because when I walked in, they had Tootsie Rolls on the counter. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Nothing like a gym handing out Tootsie. You know what I mean? It's like a dealer who smokes his own supply. You know what I mean? My kind of people. So... Anyways, uh, what's in it for me? What do you have here? What, what you know? What when you look for a church? Well, what's the church offer? What do they have? What do you have here for me? It's a natural inclination that you have, and it's a natural inclination to think, well, I'm important here. I, you know, I'm a part of this whole thing, and you start thinking, I need to get something out of this. We do this in every area of our lives. We even do it in our politics. And I know that we're entering into a season that's politically charged and maybe even the next several years that are politically charged. And uh, if you wanted an activist kind of church, this is not that kind of church. I hate to break that to you. Uh, We're just not those kind of people. But I do want to teach you how to work through seasons like uh, politically charged seasons. Uh, And the best way I know how to tell you is this. Here's the foundational thing. And that is that I love this country. It's not the best. It's got flaws. It's got warts and problems and history. But it's the best country on planet earth. Can I get a better amen, everybody? Yeah. And I think you ought to be proud of that. I think you ought to be proud. I think you ought to put your hand over your heart for the Pledge of Allegiance. I think you ought to stand during the... Are you with me, everybody? I, th- I really do. And I hope that doesn't offend you. But listen, here's the reason why God's blessed us. God hasn't blessed us because we've been so good. As a matter of fact, we're not so good. As a matter of fact, we got a lot of sin that runs rampant in America, and there is beginning to be this moral decline where you're seeing more European-style dark ages in American history than maybe we've experienced ever. But there's only two reasons why the hand of God's on our country, and I, I, I honestly believe these two things. Here's the first one. The reason the hand of God's on our country, first and foremost, is because of our defense of the nation of Israel. The Bible is clear. There's a biblical covenant that God made with Abraham for a piece of real estate around the Mediterranean Sea. I wish God would have made a covenant with me for a piece of real estate around the Mediterranean Sea. But he made it to a group of people that are descendants of Abraham. And he said this. This is an eternal covenant that he never changes his mind on. He told Abraham, whoever blesses you, I'm going to bless them. And whoever curses you, I'm going to curse them. So the hand of God, the blessing of God has been on America because we've blessed them. Can you say amen to that? That's the first reason. Here's the second reason. The second reason is because on planet earth, we are the number one sending missions, gospel expanding organization. Our country, our political system is set up such that we send more finances and missionaries around the world 
than any other country in the world. Now, that's declining. As a matter of fact, of the most developing nations in the world, America is, is the most developed nation with church attendance declining, which is why we're planting churches in America, by the way. We're not just sending funds overseas. We're planting churches right here in America. But God has blessed us because we're spreading the gospel around the world. Say amen to that. Now, I tell you, I set up all of that to tell you that as much as I love this country and I love the country of Texas, which is a country inside of the country that we live in, and as much, okay, that's enough. And as, as, much as, I, as much as I am proud of it, listen, look at me. Even though I pledge allegiance to the flag here and I pledge allegiance to our country here and I mean it and I think you ought to, my number one allegiance isn't to the political party or the occupant of the current White House. My allegiance is to the occupant of the throne of heaven. Can I get a better amen to that? I'm citizen of this country, but my... My eternal citizenship isn't here. I like to say it this way. If you're taking notes, write this down. I didn't put it on the screen. But I was born American. I was born again in heaven. Right? I got a heavenly. Here's the way the Bible says it in Philippians 3 and 20. The Bible says our citizenship is in everybody shout heaven. Shout heaven. We have citizenship there. And we eagerly await not for a new political party to take over, not for our candidate to get elected, not so things go in our direction. No, we eagerly await for Jesus, a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus, who by the power that enables Him to bring everything in this world under His control is going to transform this whole world. By the way, you want to know how we transform the world. It's not Washington, D.C. It's local churches and kingdom builders just like us who say we will not be silent. There's a world to reach. There's darkness to push back. There's hell to fight. And I'm going to fight hell with a water gun if I have to because I'm building something beyond here, say amen to that. And I want to I want you to be that kind of church. And if you're looking for churches today, and I want you to take this into consideration about our church. I really do. And I mean this in the most loving, respectful way I possibly can. But this is not a consumer kind of church. This is not a feed me. I really want my stuff. Bring your spiritual grocery cart and fill it up. Man, I hope they I hope I hope they do everything just the way I like it because I really am looking for something that's appealing to me. Brandy and I often laugh at uh uh, certain forums on Facebook uh, from our community because you'll have people that come on and say, hey, I'm looking for a church that, and then they give this whole long list, Kirk, of things they're looking for. You know, I'm looking for something that the temperature's just right, and I got the, you know, I got this one kid that only only writes with his left hand. Do they have left-handed ministry? And I have this other kid that only writes with the right hand. Do they have right-handed ministry? And, do they, and, they, and there's just, they got a whole laundry list, and none of it in there is, and I want a church that's on fire, and I want a church that prays, and I want a church that's in revival, and I want a church that serves the lost, and I want a church that reaches the world, and I want a church on mission. Nobody ever asked for that kind of stuff. But I got to be honest with you. We're going to do all that stuff. We got great ministry for your kids. We got great student ministry, men's, women's, couples, small groups, left-handed, right-handed, whatever you're looking for. I bet we have it. Look at me. But that's not our primary business. Our primary business is to sign you up for the army of God that's expanding the kingdom of God in the earth. You ought to clap better for that. I want you to be on mission. I want you to be on mission. I want you to be on mission. God's called you to be on mission like He did Daniel in the Old Testament. Daniel serves through four empires in the Old Testament. 
the prophet Daniel, serves four different empires and he has influence in all four of them. Why? Because Daniel had exceptional qualities that stood out. He said, it doesn't really matter what the world does. I've decided my allegiance is to God. I've decided my heart is for the things of God. I've decided I'm going to expand God's plan in my own generation. He was an ambassador to four different empires. You read it for yourself in your Bible. And he had influence, great influence in all four of those empires. I want you to have that kind of influence. I prayed. I prayed for you this morning very early before the sun came up. I was outside because it's the only time it's cool enough to go outside. And I was outside praying for you this morning. And I promise you, I really did. I said, God... Don't give us a bunch of weak Christians. Give us Christians who are ready to get on mission, who are ready to change the world, who are ready to pray till heaven comes down, who are ready to reach the next generation. I refuse to lose our children and our young people to the plans of the enemy. I refuse to cater to the needs. Listen. I love you, but I'm not catering to you. I'm building a church full of kingdom builders. Say amen to that. I'm preaching better than you're amening. I want you to be a kingdom builder. I want you to be an ambassador. God's word says that. Second Corinthians, Paul said this. He said, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. There it is. It's as though, now this is the most, this is an alarming verse in your Bible. It's as though God is making his appeal to the whole world through us. You talk about an eye-opening experience. You mean to tell me that God's not just going to wave His hand and everybody in Bernie gets saved? No. And some folks in Bernie need to get saved, okay? He's not just going to open up heaven and save all of Fair Oaks. Fair Oaks, everybody's saved in Fair Oaks, but somewhere else. You know what I mean? Comfort. There ain't nobody saved in comfort. He's there going, God, am I going to do something? God's not just going to open it up and go, everybody in San Antonio saved. No, God's not going to do it. Can He? Yes. Will He? No. Because he's making his appeal through you. He's using you as a kingdom builder. He's using you and I as somebody to build the kingdom of God in the earth. We're the ones that are Christ's ambassadors. Now what's an ambassador? An ambassador is somebody who represents a kingdom that he, that he doesn't currently live in. If you have an ambassador of a nation, you know that ambassador comes with all the authority. He comes with all the protection. He comes with all the power. He comes with all of that of, of, of the nation that he represents. Look at me. You don't come in your own power. You're not supposed to be changing the world in your own. You're not supposed to have your own authority. No, every time I walk into my college campus, every time you walk into your high school, every time you walk into your middle school, every time you walk into that office that you think, man, ain't nobody saved here. Everybody's lost here. These are heathens I work with at this place. You are an ambassador of heaven. You're not there for them to change you. You're there to change the whole spiritual climate of every place you walk into. Write this down. I didn't put it on the screen, but you need to put it in your notes. You are not a thermometer. A thermometer tells the temperature. Boy, it's cold in here. It was hot in first service. Boy, it's cold in here. Oh, things are bad. Oh, colleges are bad. Ooh, middle, oh, public schools are tough. I met a couple not long ago, just moved to town, and they were asking us. They'd come to our church, and they were asking us about our schools, and Brandon and I are blessed to have our kids in a, in a small private Christian school. That's the choice that we uh, make for our family. But I was telling them, look, our public schools are great. And, you know, a lot of people, 
utilized, and, and I'm, I'm just the dumb one who pays high taxes for good schools, and I pay for private schools. So anyway, but, but they're, they're wonderful. And this couple looked at me and said, yeah, they're wonderful, but even the best is not good. And it's true. You can be a thermometer and say, man, the whole world's going to hell in a handbasket. You ever said that? I don't know why my grandmother said that, but she always said the world's going to hell in a handbasket. I've never had a handbasket. I don't know if they bring them to hell, but anyway, it's going to hell in a handbasket. You can do that. And we can be the kind of church that just gets up every day and tells you how bad it is. And oh, the world. Oh, sin. And oh, Washington. And oh, government. No, kids. And all students. We can do that. We can be a thermometer. But I'll be honest with you. Everybody knows kind of what the temperature is. We've decided we're going to be a thermostat. We're not going to tell the temperature. We're going to set the temperature of the room. I'm not going to walk into my office saying, man, these people are lost. I'm going to walk in saying, i got to bring joy in here. I'm going to walk into my college campus not going, man, it's really dark here. I'm going to walk in going, i got to shine the light bright when I walk onto this college campus. I've decided I'm going to walk into every area I am. I'm going to take territory all over the hill country, not by cursing the darkness, but by shining the light brighter than I've ever shined before. Can I get a better amen than that? You're an ambassador. Write it down like this. We are the ambassadors, and this is the embassy. The church of Jesus Christ is the embassy. When you have an embassy of another country that resides, if you had an American embassy in, in Mexico, an American embassy in Guatemala, an American embassy in Israel, when you go to the American embassy, inside the walls of the embassy, it's all American. It's American soil. It's American sovereignty. It's American authority. It's American protection. It has all the authority, not because of where it resides. It's not because it's in Guatemala. It's not because it's in Mexico. It's not because it's in Israel. It's because it represents the country it comes from. The church of Jesus Christ, the church that you're in today, listen, we are an embassy of heaven. This is where life change ought to happen. I don't want you to just come here and your life get a little bit better. I want you to come here and your life gets radically changed and God radically saves you and everything changes and your marriage gets better and your health gets better and your mental health gets better. And you walk out of addiction and depression and freedom. And Why? Because this is the embassy of heaven and we have all of the authority heaven has right here. And so I'm not training you to be on a cruise ship. I'm training you to be on a lifeboat. I want you to be a kingdom builder. Jesus even prayed it this way. He taught us how to pray in Luke. In Luke he said, when you pray, you know this, this is the Lord's prayer. He said, when you pray, say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. God, I'm not building my thing. I don't want to build it for me. I don't want to live my life. Listen to me. I don't want to live my life and think, man, look at what I've amassed. Look at the ranch I, I got. Look at the man, look at the, the horses and look at the look at the stuff and look at the look at the cars and look at the toys and look at the boats and look at the college degrees and, and nothing wrong with any of that. I want you to have all of that. That's not what I'm here to do. I want to get to heaven and go, hey, I want the kingdom. I, I, I built the kingdom of God in our life. We expanded the kingdom of God everywhere we had the chance. You're in a kingdom, and in a kingdom there's no democracy. You don't get to vote for who's next, you know what I mean? You just, the king is who the king is. I'm, I'm not an Anglophile, but I, I really, I am intrigued by the royal family in Great Britain. And Queen Elizabeth, of course, just died. Elizabeth II just died. 
and I was reading and, and watching a few things about, uh, I watched the whole, you know, procession and the, and the funeral and all, all the things, and I was reading about the secession of, of the king, King Charles III. And this is true. When Queen Elizabeth takes her last, when she took her last breath, when she closed her eyes and took her last breath, there is no lapse. The moment she does, all of King Charles' siblings bow their head to King Charles. The second she breathed her last breath, there's no, there's no change. There's no like, well, guys, you want to play paper, rock, scissors? You're the king. No, nothing of that happens. He was going to be king since the day he was born. Listen, because in a kingdom, you don't get to decide. You not get, we don't get to decide, hey, I wish Jesus wasn't king. Man, I wish somebody else. I wish it wasn't so hard. I wish he didn't tell me all that stuff. I wish he didn't have. No, we don't get to vote on this. This isn't a democracy. We do whatever the king tells us to do. Write it down like this. When you serve in a kingdom, you serve the purpose of you inside of the kingdom your purpose is to serve the purpose of the king. Write that down. In the kingdom, your purpose is to serve the purpose of the king. Whatever the king wants out of my life. Whatever God is asking of me. Whatever the king wants me to do with my influence. Whatever the king would have me to do with my resources. Whatever the king wants me to do with my talent and my gifts. I don't, I don't get to choose, well, this is what I'd like to do. No, I'm here to serve the purpose of the king. And over the next four weeks, I want to give you some tools to serve the purpose of the king in your generation. I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to stretch you over the next four weeks. I'm Listen, at the movies is a ton of fun, okay? We're going to see a ton of people get saved. We always do see a ton of people get saved. We're going to fill the house. By the way, we're starting a third service at, at the movies, everybody. It's going to be amazing. and I can't wait. But for the next four weeks, I'm going to stretch you to your kingdom builder. And I wanted to introduce you to a kingdom builder. I was happy to know I had already pre-planned to preach this message series to you several months ago. And then I heard from our global missions partner in Haiti. His name is Benit June. And he said, hey, I'd like to be in your area in this season if I could spend a few days with you. I said, don't just spend a few days. I want you to stay for the weekend and I want our church to meet you. He went to Bible college, born and raised, third generation, fourth generation uh, Haitian, but born and raised there, went to Bible college in Canada and then in Texas. And had the opportunity to stay here. And when you hear the story of leaving Haiti, when you hear how bad, and it's, it's the poorest, most corrupt, most third world in all of the Western Hemisphere, the entire Western Hemisphere, it's the poorest uh, country in all of the Western Hemisphere. It's, it's deplorable. It's an awful situation. And he chose to go home to his native people, not so that he could live the good life, not so he could have everything he wanted, but so he could build the kingdom. I can't wait for you to hear from him. Would you put your hands together and welcome my friend, Pastor Benit Jr. Thank you. Have a seat. All right. So while he talks, because I've talked enough, y'all hear from me all the time. I'm going to sit back and drink this water, okay? I, uh, no, I can't sit back like that. Uh, I, want, I want to tell you about how he expands the kingdom. And I just, I, honestly, it'll be a short message today. I just, wanted to, I just wanted to introduce you to a real kingdom builder. I just, I'm going to teach you for the next four weeks, but I'd rather show you than teach you. You know what I mean? I'd rather show you what it's like to sacrifice and give and serve and put your whole life on the line for that. So, Benit, you 
graduated college in uh, 96, 97, 95, 93. 96. 96. You went back to Haiti in 96. And uh, you got a picture of your family. There's going to be some pictures on the, on the screen behind us there. This is the picture of your family, wife and three beautiful babies. Yes, uh, Ruby, Daisy, and Enzo, 14, 11, and 8. For, thank God they look like their mother and not their daddy. You're right. <laughs> That's okay. And when, you, and when you got there, you immediately started a school, a Christian school there, a private school there. And how many students were in that school in 1996 when you first started that school? It was small. How many uh, were there? We started uh, with nine, 29 students. And how many and, are there right now? And today we have over 1,000 students in that school. <laughs> And it's that school right there. Mm-hmm. That school right there. That's one of the. That's one of the buildings of the school. Yes, this is one of the buildings. Uh, we have the uh, primary on top, and we have the secondary on the first floor, and we have the cafeteria also inside that building. Uh-huh. Yeah. And this is also a part of uh, the different buildings that we have for the secondary, as well that we built after the earthquake uh, in 2010. A thousand students, and uh, after uh, you're not just starting the school, you got to do something with these kids. And this is amazing. I, I know there's a there's a picture coming up. There's a story as you scroll through these pictures. I love the excellence that you give. I love building a school out of excellence. Uh, I, I love that you're training students to be people of excellence. And there's a picture of um, your school from several years ago. Who, right here, this is it. Yes. And tell me the story, what's coming next? So that was the second year of uh, the school, and we had probably 48 uh, or more students there. And if you look at uh, the picture of that little boy in the far left, yes, he crosses his hands. Uh, and uh, so after 25 years, and by the way, we started uh, in a small room, uh, 14 by 15 feet. And I'm never afraid to, sm- to start small. Good. And today, uh, we can say that we have a success story. Uh, he's a doctor now. So, uh-huh. so that picture was taken in Belgium, where he went for his internship. Uh, so that's, that's what we want to do more. Fantastic. <laughs> so not just the school. So there's 1,000 students. There's about 115 or so, to, uh, 20 in faculty. I'd like, I'd like for, to keep that picture there, please. Uh, we have uh, over 113 people working uh, for the school. That's, that's our staff, uh, our payroll every month. But beside that, we have people working in construction, plumbing, sometimes painting, iron work, and so on. So it's like we are almost the biggest employer in the village of Vinia or even in the county, uh, at least one of the biggest employers there. Uh, who's this? So this is uh, Sarah. Sarah is one of the girls that uh, is in the, orphanage, uh, in the orphanage. And the previous picture uh, will show you where she, she, where she comes from. And in a very poor, poor area, and, uh, you know, like this area here, and uh, I'm so sorry to tell you this, uh, sometimes people will do their things right there in the water, <laughs> but she's from that area there, and uh, she hasn't seen her mom for 
19 years, and her dad, uh, she didn't know her dad because her mom was a prostitute. But we're able to bring her into the orphanage, and she wants to become a doctor, and that's her now. Now she's in 13th grade, and next year she'll be going to a medical school. Fantastic. Uh -huh. So tell me, tell, me, uh, tell me about the orphanage. So there's a 1,000 students in the school. That's not the orphanage. You started the orphanage with how many kids? Uh, we started with three kids. And how uh, many do you have right now? We have 33. 33 kids in the uh -huh. orphanage. Yes, and we're looking in. forward. We'd like to bring much, you know, many more because uh, we're trusting the Lord to open, you know, more doors so that we can bring more kids because they need education. They need people to take care of them. And the last two that we have uh, is a family that uh, the father died, but that family had six children. And uh, after the passing away of the dad, they wanted to give all of them to us, the mother. And I said, I don't think I can do that. But at least me and my wife, we said we're going to take two, educate them, and hopefully that they will be the ones that will give a break to that family when they go to the university because our goal that every kids that come to our orphanage, our children's home, we want them to go to the university and learn something and have something in their hands uh, to give them wings. And you're, <laughs> yes, not, just, uh, you're uh -huh. not just educating them, you're feeding them. So this is a feeding program. You're yes. feeding over 1,000, 1,100 people every yes. day, five yes. days a week. Yes, five days a week. Uh, we feed them. Uh, we feed the 1,000 kids plus uh, 100, over 100 personnel. And sometimes we have people that come that are not part of the school, but uh, they are elderly people, and whatever we can do to help them, even in that feeding program, we try to help them. So we feed them lots of rice and beans there, and they love it. Fantastic. There's, uh -huh. there's, there's a picture of a little girl coming up that you, you talk about that she... She, uh, oh, that was funny. Yeah, this little girl right here, tell me the story. Yeah, the story of this girl is that every... She comes with that little ball every day. And it's so amazing that, uh, you know, she will come and whatever is left over in that, uh, the cafeteria, she will take it back home because she wants to take it so that she can eat on the afternoon or bring it for her family uh, so that they can eat. And, uh, you know, I experienced that. I used to hear people saying that, oh, that's the only meal that they eat. I never want to say things that people say. I always want to experience it. So I was at the school one time teaching, and uh, I went to one of the classrooms, and one of the, you know, one of the young men, had, you know, I saw him this way, and I said, what's going on? And he said, you know, he did not eat uh, in the morning. And we feed them around uh, 10 o'clock, uh, around that time, 10. And I asked, how many people don't eat before coming to school. 75% will say they don't eat anything. And uh, one of them told me that when they come to the cafeteria, if there's nothing, if the cafeteria is not working or if there's a problem, then it's like a bad day for them. Because many of them will eat and then whatever, sometimes they'll go home in the afternoon and they don't find anything on the table at home. And that's, it's the meal at the school that will keep them for the rest of the day. So that's why, to me, I feel that uh, I exist down there so that I can help these people so you're, and be a blessing to so them. So you're educating them. T tell me the, 
a motto about education that you had, the reason why the school, the Christian school, uh, a, a private education inside a safe compound, by the way, that has a local church on the same compound. The difference between us and every other organization in the world, the United Way or anywhere else that you could give to, the, the, the difference in a church and that is we're not just feeding them and we're not just educating them, but we're feeding them spiritually as well. We plant a life-giving church every time we do that. And so, yes. But tell me about the education. Uh, my motto is Jesus plus education plus hard work equals success. Good. Jesus gives people value. And I'll tell you this. The best thing that could ever happen to me is my relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And through my relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, he let me know that I am valuable. I am important. I am precious. I am loved. And I don't care if somebody thinks that I'm from a third world country, but I don't have a third world mindset. Good, 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 good. And it's like what you were saying earlier about being in the kingdom. When you are in the kingdom, you don't live like the country that you are in. You live like the country that you are from. Right. I have the mindset of the country, of the kingdom that I am from. Good. And Good. the kingdom is the kingdom of God. And I don't have a mindset of a third world country. Good. A mindset of the kingdom of God. So, I will say that. Jesus gives me love. He let me know that I'm precious. I'm important. And that's why I can walk wherever with my head lifted high, not with a poor mentality. I don't do that. People talk about discrimination. I don't care. I'm going to open the door for white people, for black people, for green people, for yellow people. Because the love of God inside me makes me precious, make me valuable. And because I am valuable, I see value in other people. So, when I say Jesus plus education, I'm, I'm a big time believer in education because I see in the Bible that people are perish for lack of knowledge. So, that's why I believe in education. And the third thing is you've got to work hard. I don't believe that you just have to sit and say, oh, Jesus, you're going to do it for me. No, I've got to put my hands into it. So it's Jesus plus education plus hard work equals success. But success to me is for yourself. So I add something. Jesus plus education plus hard work plus helping others equal a life of significance. And that's the way I want to live my life, having a life of significance. So good. Amen. So Jesus, education, hard work, and success. Jesus, education, hard work, and living for others. It's a life of significance. significance. I love that. I always believe that success is for yourself. You succeed because, okay, you do it. Many things, you succeed for yourself, but when you begin to live for others, then you begin to live a life of significance. That's so there's the this dangerous place. I mean, uh, you know, you're a native Haitian, 
and still, we, we haven't been allowed a missions trip there in about five years. We can't fly into Haiti. Every time we send supplies, we have to send additional money to bribe, and leave this picture here, to, to bribe you know, the ports as the, as the container comes through, and we sort of build that in. But you were flying here to San Antonio, mm-hmm. yes, and you're stopped by these gangs that controlled the entire country, basically. Tell me that story. Yes, uh, I would say that uh, for many years right now, um, for many years, and it was worse, or it's worse, it's getting worse for the last uh, couple of weeks uh, with those de- with the demonstrations in Haiti uh, where people are demonstrating uh, against the government uh, because uh, gas fuel, uh, the fuel, the price fuel is uh, getting higher. And right now, before I come here, I paid $12 a gallon of diesel. Um, and uh, and my wife, I was talking with her the other day, and she was telling me that a gas a gallon of gas is about twenty-eight dollars right now, because it's very very expensive, and you cannot even find it. So when I was coming, there were some all kinds of demonstrations, block roads, the country was locked, and so on. And uh, I decided to uh, start a day before, <laughs> so that I can come here. And, uh, now, you only live an hour from Port-au-Prince. I live about one hour. But you left an, a day early to fight the gangs just to get to the airport yeah, to fly to America. So that I would be able to fight to come here. So uh, I was crossing across about eight barricades. And all these barricades, uh, they had arms gangs because Haiti right now, the territory is very... It's very dangerous because gangs are getting more and more territories because the police is powerless and the government seems to be conniving with them in, you know, so that they can keep power. So I was able to cross uh, about eight uh, barricades and behind all these barricades, there were armed people. So, and uh, they searched all, all of my stuff, took my laptop and uh, my phone and uh, other things that I had, my cash, uh, my Bible, my backpack, and, and so on. So it was very difficult. But somehow the Lord gave me peace, even in the midst of that chaotic situation, knowing that I'm going to make it. And um, I, I don't get discouraged for what happened to me. It gives me a more desire to do much more for the people. Because even those guys that did that, they are my countrymen. And I just want to be able to continue to do what I'm doing so that I can help more people understand that something needs to happen for that country. And that's why I'm there. And this is vision. This is the dream in your heart. Tell me about this. So the dream for this uh, earlier, I showed you in the prefab building that we have the secondary and the primary together. And uh, usually the primary will disturb the secondary and my plan is to separate the secondary from the uh, primary. And uh, so we are building this expansion. And we want to build this thing very nice. And uh, the vision also for this building is to start a university in the village of Vigne and also a trade school. And uh, that's the vision. And we want to, uh, to train and to educate many, many, many more young people and uh, help transform, uh, change the place uh, for God's glory. And the vision is uh, to build that building 
it's going to cost about 40, over half a million dollars to uh, build that building, that, uh, that expansion. And also, right now, we are trusting the Lord to, uh, and even on this trip, I'm trying to raise about $31,000 to buy concrete uh, cement yeah. uh, to get the building out of uh, the ground. Love it. Yes. I love it. I love uh -huh. it. Fantastic. So this is the orphanage building that we have, uh, and that's where we keep the 33 children uh, at the orphanage right now. Mm -hmm. Tell me why, in our final moments together, tell me, you, you tell a great story about mud and gold. Tell me why. What motivated you to go home? What motivates you to, what motiv what's going to motivate you to get back on the plane? Obviously your family, but tell me why. You, you keep going, you keep building, you keep expanding, you keep dreaming, you keep feeding. Tell me why. When I came here, you know, uh, in America, I've seen beautiful things. And the only thing that are always in my heart, why not Haiti? Why not my country? And uh, I've seen it's clean. And <laughs> you, won't, you will not believe it. I was in the bathroom at the hotel and I went and I made a little video, very nice. And I'm sending that back home to say, man, this is clean. This is clean. We can make it better, too. You see what I'm saying? So. Have you seen our bathrooms? It's very nice. <laughs> very nice. And by the way, I was so glad to see a young man. Uh, you know, he was, he, he threw some water on the sink and he was wiping it. Uh, I said, man, that's great. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so I come here and I see beautiful things. I observe. And I said, why not Haiti? Good. And that was the thing that I did that I said even when I first came in America in 1993. And I begin to understand that I have a gift. I have a gift. I've got, I, I have a talent that God has given me. My talent is to serve people. And I begin to understand that uh, the talent that you have is God's gift to you. But whatever you do with that talent is your gift back to God. And this is me. I want to give something to God back. So, the reason why I'm doing this in Haiti is... When I see my people, they live in areas, into an environment that looks like mud. So if you take a bucket of mud and you fill it with, the bucket is filled with mud, and you put a piece of gold in that bucket, the gold does not become mud because it's in the bucket of mud. The gold is still gold. Wherever it is, it's gold. But the tragedy comes when people think that because of the environment, they begin to identify themselves with the mud. And this is what most of my people do. They identify themselves with the mud, with the environment. So my heart is to teach them that they are not mud, they are gold.
And I must tell you, this is the revelation that has changed my life. I live in Haiti, but I am not mugged. I am gold. And because I know that I'm gold, I'm going to change my environment. But if you don't know that you are gold, and you think that you are mugged, you're going to begin to talk like mud. You're going to behave like mud. You're going to walk like mud. And I don't want to do that. And that's the reason why I'm in Haiti, trying to bring value to my people and help them to understand that you are not mud. You are a piece of gold. Let's get up and change the country. And that's my heart, my friend. Thank you for joining us today. And a special thanks to those of you who give generously to this ministry. You know, it's because of you that we're able not only to bring this message to you, but we're able to offer hope and life to the San Antonio Hill Country and beyond. So if you'd like to give today, you can visit cityhillstx.com right now. And if this message blessed you, why don't you click subscribe or share this message with your friends uh, on your socials. I pray it's a blessing to others in your world. Thanks again for listening today. God bless you.